Welcome back to Dinga and DeRosa, a House of Enterprise, House of College Hoops podcast. Michael DeRosa, Chris Dinga coming at you. Sweet 16 week. Michael, how are you? Best time of year. I'm incredibly excited. These games last weekend were fun. This week could be even better. Let's go. You bet. Uh, before we get into it, uh, we have teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. Um, also, this podcast is presented by House Arm Prize and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. Okay, here we are. We have eight really, really good matchups, I think. Uh, very fun matchups. Michael, first off, game of uh, game of the first weekend. What was your favorite? Oh, of the first weekend. The Virginia Furman game was uh, awesome. That, that Just start. that last shot. The crazy end sequence. I think that that's got to be my pick. That was crazy. That was sweet. That it was. That would be number two for me. Um, number one was definitely Kentucky K State. The back and forth in that game. Uh, Marquise Noel was so fun. I love him. Um, he he is in in one week. He has turned himself into like one of my favorite college basketball players of like recent memory. See, I remember watching him when he was at Little Rock. Uh, he hit one shot from like half court. I've brought it up like so many times because I love that shot. It was also a Georgetown game I was working. It was when him and Rajon Tucker, who played with the Bucks for a little bit, went against James Akinjo and Mac McClung. I think mm-hmm. Noel hit a, one of those guys hit a crazy shot to send it overtime. Georgetown won in overtime, but man, at that point, I'm like, all right, Marquise Noel, this is a guy I like. He's short kid, Rucker Park, plays with that New York City toughness. Yeah. You got to love that. The New York City guard, a point guard. I love Marquise. Now I've loved him for years and finally he's getting the recognition he deserves. I love it. It's awesome. Um, yeah, they'll have a fun one uh, against Michigan state. Let's go. Yeah. We're going to talk some coaching news, but first let's get through the matchups. Um, we'll start in that. What is that? The South region. Yeah. Uh, Alabama South and San Diego state. Um, this was what I, what I envisioned happening coming out of that top half of that quadrant. Um, Alabama looked really solid in the second half against Maryland. I don't know how, how much that means really, but, um, and then San Diego state beat the brakes off of Furman and Furman's good. So uh, yeah. What do you, what do you think here? I think San Diego state really matched up perfectly with Furman. I think that was the thing you can beat them with like length, physicality, stuff like that. That's what San Diego state does well. And uh, also they went against like uh, Nico Medved who runs a lot of the similar stuff to Bob Ritchie yeah. matchup dream. Uh, that being said, I think Alabama wins this game. Uh, they're both very good defensive teams. Uh, say, uh, Alabama is third in the country in opponent three-point defense. Uh, San Diego State is fourth. So they're both going to defend the line really well. Both really good defenses on Ken Palm. Alabama's third. San Diego State is fifth in adjusted defense. But the real thing here is like offense. Alabama's much better offensively, but the tempo battle too. Uh, Alabama's fifth fastest. San Diego State like slow the game down a bit. I think Alabama's going to be able to control the tempo. Alabama should win the battle on the glass that San Diego State has killed. Over the last few games, I think Alabama wins. It'll be like close, like kind of back and forth, but one of those games that ranges in like the five to seven range almost the entire time. And then I think Alabama pulls away late. I got Bama here. Just too talented. Yeah. Um, I'm such a believer in San Diego State. They've won 12 of their last 13, and the one loss was on the road, I think, uh, against Boise. Like nothing to be ashamed ashamed of there. Um, I think Nate Mensa can at least compete with Betty Yako down low. Um, I don't think they'll get bullied on the glass. Alabama probably has the advantage just because of the amount of guys that can go get boards at a high clip. But Mensa will hold, hold his own, and Ladee and, and uh, Johnson can also compete down there. But, yeah, that's the conversation I've been having with people, right, is that if San Diego State's going to win, it can't be in the 80s. It won't be. They can't yep. score that much. Um, I love this team, but they just don't have that in them. Uh, they take too many mid-range jumpers to score 80 points. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess I lean Bama, but I still think it, it, it's very possible. It's it's a 55-45 split. I think a lot of people are viewing this as like a done deal. Uh, Brandon Miller's going to have 1 million points, and that's just not going to be the case. Uh, the, this this defense is sneaky good, and yeah, like you were saying, very physical. They're in your face. Um, yeah, they're, they're toughness per- personified. So I think San Diego State's got a shot. I said Alabama was a lock for the Elite Eight on our last show. I stand by that. I think. Wow. 
I stand by it. They win this game. Okay. Um, they, I, I will say, okay, they they played bad in the first half against Maryland. Sure. Um, and I don't, I think Maryland is like significantly worse than San Diego State, especially uh, offensively. I would even go so far as to say San Diego State, if if they held Alabama to what was it like thirty points or twenty something points in the first half as Maryland did, San Diego State might be in the locker room with a halftime lead. Sure, but Alabama also turned it up in the second half, and I feel like Maryland has more firepower offensively, like a guy or had at least. Just Jameer Young's going to leave, but uh, a guy like Jameer Young, I don't. He can turn up if he has to, and I don't think San Diego State really has one guy who can like take over a game like Young can. I don't think okay. he really did, but he can at least. Yeah. And Tramel, the the other big matchup yeah. thing is Tramel is. I love Darren Tramel. He's great, but he's very small. And that length is going to really bother him. And it's length that he hasn't really seen as much in, in the Mountain West. Um, I mean, Alabama's length is truly like elite. Yeah. Okay, moving on down. Creighton-Princeton. Is this one as simple as like, hey, Creighton has five days to prepare for Princeton. Missouri only had one. Um, the Princeton offense is very intricate. There's a lot of cuts. Uh, they run a lot of set plays. But if you have five days to prepare... I mean, I think the talented team is probably just going to prevail here. Yeah, I agree. Also, I don't know if Dennis Gates has ever gone against the Princeton offense, and one day to prepare for it is not yeah. good. Greg, when Greg McDermott first got into the Big East, Georgetown had uh, John Thompson III, who ran the Princeton. A lot mm-hmm. of like, I mean, it's a different version that they're both running. There's some differences to it, but in general, like very similar principles. And I think that makes a difference. I And then more talent. I think they have a guy who can match up with Tosana Boyum, where I don't know if Missouri really did. Kobe Brown was probably the guy, but I, I don't know if he's like as sound defensively. Uh, so yeah, I'm Creighton. I think Creighton, I think these teams are usually close in these spots, like the underdogs, but it's, it's Creighton. I'm taking Creighton. I would put their starting five up against anyone. And that definitely includes Princeton, Creighton. Yeah, Tosan, we I think we both agree, is going to be paid a lot of money in his career to play basketball. But Ryan Kalkbrenner is 7-1. He's 6-8. Kalkbrenner is, is a menace defensively. And if you take Tosan out of the game for Princeton offensively, like I just don't think they have the firepower because Creighton's going to get theirs. Uh, they're, they're physical. They're lengthy. They got you know seven guys that can beat you scoring right now with how Farabello's playing and even Sharif Mitchell the last three weeks. So... Yeah, I think I think Creighton by probably fifteen. I, I'm very curious what the spread is. I didn't look before this. Um, I thought it was that, like six and a half, seven, somewhere around that range. See, yeah, that would interest me a whole lot, to, to be completely honest. Uh, especially Creighton first half. I think they punch him in the mouth right away. Yeah, I don't hate it. And also talk about no one talked about it. Ryan Nemhard played incredibly against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 points against one of the best backcourts. I mean, the best backcourt tree in the country. He was excellent. Uh, Cryer matched him, but Nemhard did everything he needed to do and then some. He was yeah. Excellent. Creighton had, um, yeah, so Kalkbrenner went for 30, uh, 31 the other day, and then Nemhard went for 30. So they were the first team since like 1985, 86, I think, uh, with two guys back to back in the first weekend, two different guys scoring 30 or more. Really impressive, man. This is the best basketball Ryan Emhart has played for for a while for Creighton. Uh, never mind. It is a 10-point spread. I don't know where the hell I got 6.5-7 from. It's 10. Hey, if you can find it on, on any book at 6.5, hammer it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. 10 makes more sense. Uh, I'm still kind of interested in it, though. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, I if, Maybe if Princeton can slow the game down, they could stay in cover range. Maybe, but yeah, I don't hate it. Okay, tell me if I'm crazy here before we go down Ooh. to the other re- region. For Creighton, let's assume Creighton wins because I think we're both on, on board with that. As a Creighton guy, I would rather face Alabama than San Diego State. And there's a couple reasons. One is that San Diego State pressures more on the wings, uh, on the perimeter, in my opinion. They like to be in your face, get physical. They're always grabbing, right? Like San Diego State's one of those teams where – you could call, call a foul every possession if you wanted to because they're always they're so physical. Um, and I think that might give Creighton a little bit of problem. And then also there's the revenge angle after last year, right? Uh, Alabama, I don't know. Like the rim is not going to be available because Kalkbrenner is so good down there. And so then they're, they're just a big rim and three team, which I, I love that philosophy. But if you, I mean, if you have a great rim protector, I think Bama's very beatable. 
Um, yeah, how crazy am I? One to one to ten there. Six. Okay. I I respect the good matchup angle. I so if you've watched more Creighton than I have this year, so makes sense there. I don't know. I still think Creighton has the guards who can go against pressure. Like if you're pressuring Baylor Shireman, I think he can just make the right passes. Trey Alexander can do that. Same thing with, of course, Ryan Nembhard, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how they would match up with Brendan Miller. I think he's a real problem. Also, he's really good. He's a better offensive really player than anyone San Diego State has. Better offensive player than anyone anyone has. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we will move on down. Um Two really fun ones, two kind of unexpected ones, in my opinion. So you get Tennessee and FAU and then K-State, Michigan State. Let's start start at the top. Uh, Tennessee, FAU. I really like FAU here. I really, really do. And maybe that's just me begrudgingly still being pessimistic about Tennessee. But, man, FAU, they have a, a golden ticket here to go to the Elite Eight or further. I agree. I like FAU in this spot. Uh, good Tennessee and bad Tennessee are two very different teams. Good Tennessee is making the final four. Bad Tennessee could lose this game by 20. Tennessee is so, so Jekyll and Hyde. It, it really, most teams that are really like Jekyll and Hyde are like offenses. They're like dominant offenses. Tennessee is a defensive minded team, but they can just go through droughts of like 15 minutes without scoring. It's crazy. And they didn't end the season particularly well. Like a loss to at Kentucky, loss at Texas A&M. Those are you can give them passes, but you beat South Carolina, then Arkansas, then lose at Auburn, beat Ole Miss, and then lose to Missouri on a neutral. Um, yeah. That's not a good end of the season. And bad Tennessee can lose, and they didn't look good against Louisiana. Like they went through a really long drought. Jordan Brown was able to be effective inside, and mm. then like against Duke, they somehow turned up against a Duke team that has been streaking. That has been excellent. So that was a dominant performance for Tennessee, but I think. The only worry I have with FAU are the wings of Tennessee, Triple J, and um, uh, who's the pro prospect? Philip uh, uh, Vescovy? You talking Vescovy? No, no, no. It's uh, they had a brother five star, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. What the Julian Phillips? Oh yeah, okay. I think the length there could present real problems, and Kamwa played an incredible game against Duke that I just didn't see coming. I think those guys can prevent, uh, give them real problems, but I think FAU's guards, they're veteran guards. They're a smart team. They defend well. They make you beat them one-on-one. John L. Davis, great player. They've just got talent up and down the roster. they got multiple guys that can throw at you. They shoot the ball well, and I think they're going to present Tennessee problems. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game, but I, I like FAU in this spot. It's weird. I like FAU in the spot. I don't know what I do. Yeah. Um, looking back at the Duke matchup, I had Duke going to the Elite Eight. Um, in retrospect, I think that was maybe a little premature just because Duke, everyone penciled him in, right? But Duke isn't a very good shooting team. They're just not. They're, Roach isn't a spectacular shooter. Filipowski is forgettable from deep. Um, they, they don't have like a knockdown sh- three-point shooter. And so especially against Tennessee, that team that has you know fantastic perimeter defense, probably a top five perimeter defense in the country, um, yeah, no crap they're going to shoot 25% from three or whatever they shot. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think that was oversight by me to assume Tennessee couldn't win that game. But FAU, they just have so many people that they can bring off the bench and in their starting lineup that can beat you from anywhere on the on the, on the court. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, FAU, if Dusty, if Dusty May wins this game, um, you have to assume that this is his last year at, at FAU. But, like, what other job would he take? Because I think everything's getting filled up now. I, I think he we'll might see. be back next year, and he could get a decent raise there. But, like, if what? I think Notre Dame is looking at either McDermott. There are rumors there, but it's looking like Shrewsbury is their guy. Is he yeah. going to take Penn State? I don't think that's a good fit. I don't think they'd offer him. I don't know. Yeah, but, man, it is, it is tough because I'm looking at the fits, and it looks like – and we'll get to coaching stuff. But it looks like McCasland seems like the lead guy for Texas Tech. Um, if Creighton, yeah, if McDermott goes or Shrewsbury goes, I don't think he probably goes to either of those schools. Uh, Providence is no. So, I, yeah, it's tough. But, man, he should get a job somewhere. Yeah, he's an excellent – he is an excellent coach, and he will be, like, top of the line in the next cycle if FAU can extend him. But, yeah, I, he's an excellent coach. You have no objections from me there. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, K-State, Michigan State. Um, yeah, K-State coming off that thrilling win over Kentucky. And then Michigan State kind of bodied Marquette um, in a way that I don't think many of us were expecting. Uh, Michigan State can muck it up with the best of them, man. Who do you, what do you think about this matchup? Michigan State is favored in this game. Wow. I like Kansas State. Uh, I think Kansas State's been the better team all year long. I think Marquise Noel is going to be very effective in this game. I think he's got a style that I don't think Tyson Walker's seen. I think he's a little shiftier, a little quicker, and he's really able to move the ball really well. I don't know how Michigan State matches up with Keontae Johnson. I don't think they've really seen a guy like him all year long. I I like Kansas State in this spot. Uh, home court advantage with it being in New York City probably favors Michigan State. But I, I don't know. I like this Kansas State team. They just win games. I'm definitely rooting for them. So there's definitely some bias there, but I think they should be favored in the spot. Maybe like a short favorite, like a one-point favorite. But I don't know. I, I think Kansas State's a better team. They've been the better team all year long. They're they're just good. And I think the couple extra days of prep's definitely going to help them. I like I kind of like Kansas State in this spot fairly comfortably, frankly. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's surprising that they're not favored. It was, you know, frankly, surprising that they weren't favored against Kentucky. Yep. So I, I bet that one as well. Um, this team's really good, and yeah, I, I think people are still just associating the name of Kansas State with how they view this program, and it's—I mean—you can't compare it with Tang. But I don't know. Like Joey Hauser, I think is really important for Michigan State, and I assume Keontae Johnson will be guarding him, and he's not going to score against Keontae Johnson. Like that's—he's going to be a non-factor. That's how good Johnson is on defense. And yeah, Noel, I take Noel in the point guard matchup every day of the week. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm i with you again. I really like K-State here. Yeah, I think I think they have the talent to present real problems here. I don't know why Michigan State's – I don't see the Michigan State love. They looked really good against Marquette. They played an excellent mm-hmm. game. But I don't know. I don't see the Michigan State love like everyone else seems to. I don't get it. Yeah, lost by 10 to Ohio State. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking up and down their results here and there's nothing that stands out. It's like, man, that's awesome. You guys are great. <laughs> like early in the season, it was like, they stay competitive with Gonzaga. Maybe they're like really good. But then like after that, you just, they just kind of treaded water a bit. I like AJ Hogard. I think he's going to be a real factor in this game. I think he presents real problems to, uh, Kent state, but I don't, I, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't get it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. Don't doubt Izzo in March, but. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking a first-year coach over Tom Izzo. Yeah, sixth sixth best three-point shooting team in the country. I will give them the props there. Um, Yeah, Izzo in March is is a real thing. But, okay, moving to the other side of the bracket now, uh, we have Miami and Houston, a Houston team that I thought Marcus Sasser looked great uh, the last game. I really thought he looked almost 100% against Auburn. Yeah, I like the halftime talk with like Barkley, um, Kenny Smith, what whoever it was, was like, I don't know if you play him this game. And it's like, yeah, he re-aggravates like groin injury, that stuff you can't really rehab. You just give it time and you're against NKU. And then it's like he re-aggravates, it doesn't play for the rest of the game. Then he looks excellent in the second game, which just shows how little sense everything makes. It I was it was baffling. It was a crazy situation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh I just really believe in, in Houston. Um, when they're fully healthy, when they're not, then everything's off the board. And I, I just don't know about that team, but with shed Walker and Sasser and, and shit, throw or shoot. Uh, damn it. Now I have to throw the explicit, uh, damn it. All right. Uh, and Mark, even when they're all fully healthy, I don't, I honestly, I, I don't know if Miami can, can do it here. Uh, trivia time. Um, who is outside of Princeton, who is the worst Ken Palm team, like 10 spots uh, still in the field. Well, considering you're bringing it up in this game and it's not Houston, I'm going to go with Miami. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. That was a bad time to do the trivia time, but I got my point across. This team was not that good analytically. They're 32nd in the country. The next closest is 24th, which is Michigan State. Um, yeah. I, I think Houston kind of rolls them. Yeah, uh, one thing that surprised me with Miami is that Norchad really dominated the paint against DJD. He was yeah. excellent. That being Houston sent him four guys there. Good luck. Yeah, he, I think Houston kills him on the glass. I think Houston has the guys to stop Isaiah Wong. And if you can stop Isaiah Wong, you cause real problems there. And I think Sasser's going to have a really good game. Tramon Mark, another good player. I just think they have enough pieces, and they're going to kill him on the glass. Miami's defense might 
be the worst unit left in the tournament right now. Aside, I think you take out like Princeton's analytic, actually, even right. with Princeton's analytical numbers, Miami's defense is the worst unit in the tournament left. I yeah. think Houston's going to find hold of it. <laughs> 108th, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got lucky that they played a Big Ten team. Uh, <laughs> respect to the Big Ten, but you know, your tournament success the last few years speaks for itself. Um, yeah, that, I, that was it was shocking to me that they beat Alabama or Auburn or Indiana, excuse me. Um, to be completely honest, but yeah, this team's going to get rocked. Did, how far did you have Houston going uh, before the tournament? I'd Houston winning the title. Okay, okay. Uh, are we still on board with that? Is that still your pick? I still am. I still don't love any team this year. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if, say, like a Gonzaga comes through, or even like if you get good Tennessee for four games, which sure we haven't seen for a while, but like it definitely can happen. That's what happens in March. Tennessee could win. Like a team like that could win the title, and it wouldn't surprise me. But I just think Houston's the most solid team. They're the team I'm most confident in having my bracket like almost reputation in a sense on yeah agreed they're the safest choice um yep it reminded me of um gonzaga what was that three years ago now with kispert and uh yep. ie that that squad where it was just like that team is the safest thing for me to you know state my claim on and so i'm going to pick them um yeah absolutely they can get beaten absolutely that gonzaga team could have got beaten they did get beat in the championship but yep. Uh, I am very confident in saying that Houston is is the safest choice for me. Um, okay, moving on, Xavier and Texas. Uh, shouts to Jack Nunji. Shouts to him right off the bat here. He is so, so good, and I'm really happy. After his whole story, and he got he gets to Xavier this year, for him to have this, the tournament success that he has, it's good for him, man. That's that's really good. But yeah, what do you what do you think of this matchup? And the guy calling it for Westwood Radio or whatever, like doesn't know his story. It's like, no, yeah. do your damn research. Come on, man. Come Screw on. Off. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I would cuss, but I guess you don't want me cussing earlier. So no, no, do it. Hey, where like, I fuck already you. Have... just yeah, fuck there we go. you. <laughs> fuck you. Come on. Holy <laughs> shit. Like I'm a butler. I'm a butler. Butler. Like there's the whole butler. People hate Xavier. It's overblown. But beside the point. Like come the fuck on. Don't do that. Fuck you. Yeah. For anyone not familiar, I will break it down here real quick. Um, Jack Nungy's dad passes away, and so he transfers to Xavier from Iowa to be closer to family this season, his last season. He already graduated from Iowa. He's now a graduate student and essentially the radio guy. I, I don't know his name. Um, was essentially just saying, yeah, like these guys transfer for no reason. Like it, the one and done is now just like going to program to program. We'll see where all these guys end up. But Nunji essentially just left because he wanted to leave and then didn't care about his team or his program. And that is just not, it wasn't the situation. It just wasn't the situation. Yeah, like, come on, do your research. Know your, know your role. Come on. <laughs> um, but yes. And then we have Texas. Uh, who looked really, really good against Penn State. Um, man, I, I, I just don't know if I want to fade Texas right now uh, in any circumstance. That team looks awesome. I'm very confidently picking Texas in this game. I really like Texas in this spot. I, this is going to piss Avery people off. Marcus Carr is better than Sule Boom. He just is. Yeah. He's a better point guard, better leader, better at all that stuff. Also, Serge Barry Rice does the thing where he, I know you, this is a really like crazy basketball concept. So hear me out on this one where he like can catch the ball and then he fakes that he's going to shoot it. They call it a pump fake in the Ooh. business. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. Inside baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm breaking games down here. This is the real insight you come for. Xavier's going to bite on that all day long. Xavier's not a good defensive team. Xavier does not have very disciplined defenders. Adam Kunkel will be jumping for joy. He's going to, Serge Barry Rice is going to find lanes. Timmy Allen's a real matchup problem in this game. And I think Christian Bishop can do enough inside and is faster than Jack Nunji to create real problems there. Nunji doesn't have, isn't the fleetest of foot. So I, I think Texas just matches up perfectly. I think their defense is going to cause real problems. They're pretty physical defensively. They're a very smart, solid, good defensive team. I think they're going to create real problems here. I think, yeah, um, I think they're going to be able to replicate a similar game plan that uh, Kennesaw State did. And 
I, they just have better athletes, better talent. So I think I am very confidently picking Texas in this spot. I think Texas rolls. I think this is a double digit game. I don't know what the spread is, but I can tell you I lean Texas. Yeah, especially I mean, shoot, if Dylan DeSue goes fourteen for nineteen again, um, this thing's over. If they get that's the thing, Carr will will get his, Hunter will get his. Um, if T- Timmy Allen, DeSue, Dylan Mitchell, even. Um, Jabari Rice, those type of guys for Texas is definitely the key. Um, I love Timmy Allen a whole, whole lot. Uh, when he was at Utah, I thought he was one of the top like three or four players in the Pac-12. Um, and so seeing him get success uh, at Texas is really fun. But yeah, man, Xavier, I just don't know if you have – and this is like this was the conversation against Kennesaw when they got down. Is like, can you get the stops to come back in this game? And they did in that one. I don't know they will get the stops to come back if they fall behind here. And I think they will fall behind because I think they're just overall maybe just a little bit worse. And that's nothing against Xavier. I think Sean Miller's done fantastic, and the team's a truly a top 15 team in the country. But Texas is really looking like a top three or four team in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, Kennesaw has good guards. Chris Youngblood, good player. Terrell Burden, very good player. They are not Marcus Carr and Sergio Byer Rice. They're just not. They are not. <laughs> it's, that, it's, it's that simple. I, I'm very, I'm very confident in Texas here. I think Texas, frankly, kind of rolls. I don't think this game's all that close. Okay, we will move down to the last quadrant here, uh, a quadrant that I do think we might disagree on in a couple of games. We'll start with UCLA and Gonzaga, which will be the headliner. I will be in attendance, Michael, for that one. So it'll jealous. be fun. That's awesome. Um, what do you think here? Who do you got? Gonzaga, comfortably. Uh, I think Gonzaga's real problems uh, matchup-wise. I think they can match up. I think they have multiple guys that can throw it. Uh, Jaime Jaquez. I think they could even – they could be very competitive in the point guard battle. I don't know if they win, but they'll be competitive at least. Like, I don't think Tiger yeah. Campbell's going to dominate this game. I think Timmy will dominate this game. Like, I, we don't know how healthy Adambona is if he's, like, one, fully 100% back. And those two backups are no matchup for Timmy. They're just not – I think Gonzaga creates real problems on the wings. I think Strother could have a big game. There, there are so many different guys they can throw at. There are so many different things they can do in this game that I just I, I think they roll here. Um, another pick I'm fairly confident in. I like Gonzaga quite a bit. We don't know how the injury status for UCLA is. It seemed like just seeing like uh, Singleton and them like get on the bus. They seemed like kind of have an energy, which was good. But this Gonzaga, I, I think yeah. we're forgetting how good Gonzaga's been, and I think they roll here. Uh, yeah, Singleton looked. Singleton and Bona both looked fine with no, no. Uh, what it like? Uh, there's there was no boot. Let's say that on on Singleton's leg. Um, I think you see. Here's the, the, you can come at this game from two angles, and one is that hey, Drew Timmy is for sure the best player in my opinion. Uh, Jaime Jaquez is fantastic, but in this matchup, Drew Timmy is the best because he's facing a freshman. Then Bona is really good. He, he, he's going to be an NBA player. He's genuinely a fantastic college basketball player. For Evan Maya, like one of the 50 best in the country. But if you take Drew Timmy's craftiness and and the, the just the way he plays offensively, it's it's very old school. It'll be a, a type of game that Adembona hasn't seen this year. And I don't know if he will be able to guard it effectively. And so then you, you say, okay, there's a couple veterans on UCLA's bench. Kenneth Nuba isn't stopping Drew Timmy. Stop it. No, no he's not. No. Um, Drew Timmy's going to get 25 or more. And so can UCLA put up 70 points? It's like uh, it's kind of like the San Diego State-Bama thing where it's like, I, I don't know if you're, they're going to score 75, 76 points in this game. Um, Singleton matters a whole lot. Without him, they have no chance. Uh, just because I, Andrews and um, uh, McClendon, they're good players. Uh, they're good freshmen. They'll be there, and then they're going to have a great career. But they are not awesome shooters, and that is the thing that UCLA sometimes lacks is just good perimeter shooting. Hawkes isn't an awesome perimeter shooter. Um, Tiger is off and on from the perimeter. Amari Bailey is off and on from the perimeter. So I don't know. I, I do probably lean Gonzaga. I'm talking myself into that way, but UCLA is tough. They are the tougher team, and – I don't want to ever go against Mick Cronin in anything because he's just, he's, he's got a dog in him. He's a crazy person. I love it. He's a crazy person. 
Yes. And it's such a weird fit him at UCLA, but it's working. You give a good coach resources and a great program. It, it just works out. And mm-hmm. he's done a good job. They're a tough team. They're a physical team, but I, I just, this is still Gonzaga. I feel like we're really forgetting how good this program has been over the last couple of years and big revenge game, I guess for UCLA, but Aside from Hakez and Campbell, I don't know if anyone else was on that team. I think Chen actually was, but end of the bench. Yeah. and that, Well, that's the other thing. It's like people are like, oh, it's a big revenge game. Yeah, so was the time in Vegas, what was it, last year, when UCLA got punked by 40 points by Gonzaga. That was not even close. And so yeah. I, 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 we won't see that this time, of course. But, um, yeah, I, I think Gonzaga rolls. Um, it should be a good one, though. Is probably my favorite matchup of the Sweet yep. 16. Oh, yeah. by the way, side note, before we keep going, did you read Norlander, Matt Norlander's piece um, on CBS Sports about Drew Timmy? I did not, no. Okay, I will send that to you. It is yeah. my favorite piece of media that has come out in the college basketball year. Uh, I love Drew Timmy as a human being. He is, one of, he is an original. He is an original college basketball player, and, and I like that very much. I'm never going to forget... I remember seeing like his high school stuff, like Ball's Life would post like a ton of his stuff, but I'm never going to forget him kissing his mustache when he's down like 20 in the national title gaming in the paper. I don't know why he is. It's so just why? <laughs> yeah. Like he's just fun, man. And people forget like the mustache thing. Some people view it as like a, you know, narcissistic thing or douchey, but he did that in a year where there was no fans and he talked about it and he was like, I'm just trying to bring some energy and excitement to my team because there's no fans and I like to have fun playing college basketball. Uh, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with having fun? I don't get it. Let guys celebrate. Like, come on, throwing out texts for cell. No, fuck that. Come on. Come yeah. on. Like, let's have, it's a fun. It's a game. We are playing. You're playing a game. We're watching a game. It is. Let's have fun with it. Like, don't there's, there is a line of too far. Sure. But 99.99% of the time they do not go too far. Let's have fun. Come on. Team fun. Like you can yeah. bat flip in baseball. Come on. Team fun here. I'm team fun. Dinga and DeRosa, certified team fun. Uh, yeah, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to put that out there. Okay. And then we have one more on the docket, which is you know, a fun one in his own right. You have UConn and Arkansas, a battle of two teams that are not going to shy away from anyone in the country. Um, I like UConn a whole bunch here i think arkansas relies a lot on intimidation almost and like being who they are being arkansas and personifying muscleman on the court but uconn's not scared of it not scared of anybody and down low i don't think they have a match for for sinogo nick smith is the best player on the floor sure yeah i'd agree with that but they connect uh, uconn has been one of the top three or four teams in basketball for the last month and a half now uh, they have proven it time and again that they they are legit. And, uh, yeah, I just – I really like them down low in this matchup. Have we agreed on every single game? Are you serious? You're going to go UConn? Yeah, I like UConn quite a bit in this spot. Uh, <laughs> we're all we're going to be right on all of them. It's fine. it's fine. Yeah, exactly. We're going 8 for 8. Uh, yeah, hey. I like UConn here. Uh, we, were, we, were, we, were, we both did great in the Jerome, so uh, we're fine. There you go. You beat me there, so props to you. Better man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got UConn here. I, I like UConn quite. You said Nick Smith is the best player in this game. I could present a rational argument for both Sonogo and Hawkins being the best player in this game, especially because Smith has not been playing at a very high level over the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I think if Bill Self is coaching that game, I do not think we are seeing Arkansas here. No disrespect to Norm Roberts, but I think Bill Self might be the best in terms of like in-game adjustments and like preparation and stuff like that. Um, I think... Just think they're the better team. I think UConn has the pieces in multiple spots. I don't think the Mitchells can guard Sonogo. Uh, I don't think they have, like, I just don't think they have a matchup there. Either you're, he's going to be too quick or he's going to be too big. It's probably Kamani Johnson. I still think he's just overall better than Kamani Johnson. Uh, Jordan Hawkins is a stud. I think they Tristan Newton as a point guard is completely changing this team. I think they have the pieces to match up with Arkansas. I think they match Arkansas and if not exceed them length, athleticism, all that sort of stuff. I think UConn wins this game. I think UConn wins this game, uh, again, kind of convincingly. This is a, definitely a fun game, but I don't really see Arkansas pulling away. I don't know how Arkansas wins this game, really. Yeah, um, and then also, uh, you know, we'll talk about Sonoga, but clinging off the bench, man, 
who's yeah. gonna? How do they stop him? Their tallest guy is yeah six six nine. I think they'll I just know. have to try to space him out and try to like beat him on the perimeter. I think that's the only because they're not going to beat him inside. I think they're just going to have to try to beat him on the perimeter. But if you got one of the Mitchell twins out there, they're not outside threats. Mm-mm. They're not. And yeah, neither is Graham. Uh, I wonder if Hurley goes the double big lineup much or at all in this game. It, it, that is one of the most fascinating things watching UConn to me is just how he manages the lineup splits um, because it, it's it's fun when he does it, but I am not sure it's their most effective lineup. In fact, it's not their most effective lineup, but I like it when he does it. I don't know. It's fun, and it could work in this spot too. Like if Musselman tries to run out both Mitchell twins at the same time or one of the Mitchells and Kamani Johnson, no. It, it's just going to it's gonna work too. So, right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jordan Hawkins is hit or miss for me. I know he's shooting like 38% from deep on, on the year, but it seems like when he's off, he's very much off. We've seen him go like one for nine in games and stuff. And he if he does disappear like that, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. Arkansas can definitely win this game. But if he plays, you know, if we see good Jordan Hawkins, then yeah, I, I think this is really tough for Arkansas. But Nick Smith has also been kind of hit and miss. Like, he didn't score in their game against Kansas. He has six points in total in the tournament right now. He's not yeah. shooting it fairly well. Ricky Council's incredible. Ricky Council is so much fun. He's so good. But if they're not getting good Nick Smith, I don't think Devontae Davis is putting up 30 points again. I don't see that happening. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, I will say this game is different if Brazil is healthy. But then yeah. again, if Brazil's healthy, then they're not an eight seed and they're not playing in this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was having a fantastic year, so that's just a mega bummer. But um, okay, who do you have coming out of this region right now? Not at the beginning, right now. After seeing them play two games each, in the beginning I had Gonzaga. I still have Gonzaga, but I am much less confident in that pick. I think UConn can present them real problems. I think if that game happens, that could be like a classic. I think that game has special written all over it. I think Timmy's a matchup problem, but at the same time, someone like Jordan Hawkins and his shot making could create real problems. I think just Julian Strother could have a big game. I think Anton Watson could even be fairly effective in that game. The good guards of Gonzaga against the good guards of UConn. I think that's gonna be, that could be a very fun one, but I still have Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga. I like this team. Uh, I didn't like them early in the season. They grew on me. They grew on me. This region was super tough. Uh, yeah. Truly, you could make the case that it was the toughest region ever. Um, they had five of the top 11 Ken Palm teams, uh, in their side of the bracket or in their region. And then, uh, that's not even including Arkansas, who we both agree is well above their Ken Palm rating just because of how they played the last, you know, month of the season or so. They really started to figure out with, with Nick Smith black back on the floor, they have been much better. Um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a bummer that all these teams are, are in the same pool because I think I think three of these teams really could be final four teams. UConn, I could see going to a final four. UCLA, I could see going to a final four. Uh, Gonzaga, absolutely could see going to a final four. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer. And then you look at the other, the region opposing them, which has FAU, Tennessee, Michigan yep. state, K state. And it's like, man, I would have put all those. Down. Ah, yeah, right. <laughs> UConn would have been a final four team if they were in that region. And my, I'm fairly comfortably. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the Sweet 16. It should be a lot of fun. Before we go, for a few minutes here, let's dive into some coaching news. Ed Cooley becomes the first Big East coach ever to go intra-conference transfer. Interconference? Intra? Intra Whatever. versus inter. Both, both work in my mind, and that's really what matters. Okay. Yes. Um, he goes to Georgetown. I know you're you're a Georgetown guy. You know Georgetown basketball very well. But how like how do we feel about this? Um, it's sort of like he put his house up for sale in the middle of the season, and there's certain clues now that are coming out that it was like, hey, he kind of knew this was going to happen, and that's kind of a mega bummer. But um, especially with all he has done for the program of, of Providence College, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, he's got to do what's best for him. And Georgetown is a better job. It is. It's yep. a better job. I don't know. People are keep saying that it's not because of the last two years, stop. Georgetown has way more resources, and in the NIL uh, era we're in now, that matters more than ever. Not to mention, Patrick Ewing didn't do this, but the best recruiting base in the country is the DMV. 
I have the WCAC. I have some of the best like AAU talent coming back to the DMV from maybe like a Montverde or wherever. The best talent, the best recruiting base in the country, the best place to recruit is the DMV. There is so much talent there. And especially this 2024 DMV class. Uh, I don't know if I have like, if we really want to go like name dropping, like, oh, they have this guy, they have this guy. But, ooh, I almost left the StreamYard page. That would have been really stupid of me. <laughs> but I mean, like, just, oh my goodness, that 2024 DMV class is special. I mean, there are multiple NBA players there. There are multiple five stars there. There are multiple program changers there. Like Bryson Tucker from the DMV, Derek Queen, DMV, Connie Ruth, DMV, these Donnie Freeman, DMV. These are all like top 50 kids. Jaden Mustaf, Darren Harris, all these guys. This DMV class is loaded. DMV is one of the best recruiting. I said it's the best recruiting base in the country. I stand by it. The 2024 class is special for DMV standards, let alone mm-hmm. national standards. It is special. You get in some of those guys, you are changing the program immediately. Uh, I think it's a little sleazy the way it was handled. I don't like that. I think Cooley said, or at least he told Goodman, that apparently like he was planning on selling his house regardless. I don't know if that's true. Maybe he's trying to get ahead of it. Um, for George, it doesn't surprise me that Georgetown didn't handle it well because their media is kind of a joke, which is why the program fell to the level it's at now, part of the reason at least. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Cooley didn't handle this well. He's very good at a lot of this media like PR stuff, and yeah. it, it's a bad situation. I... Cooley is the guy that Georgetown wanted. I understand why Georgetown wanted him. I understand why he wants to go to Georgetown. They did not handle it well. And I don't, yeah, it, kind of, it rubbed me the wrong way they, the way they handled it. But when the season comes, I won't care. I want to watch a winning team. I want to be able to talk to my dad. I want to be able to talk to my little brother. I want to be able to talk to my grandfather about a winning Georgetown team. And I feel like Ed Cooley's the guy who can balance the brand and finally not make Georgetown a joke. Yeah, um, 100% agreed on all fronts there. Georgetown college basketball is better when Georgetown is good uh, with the history of that program and what it has meant to a whole bunch of communities. Georgetown is a fun team to root for uh, when they're, when they're good. So I hope, uh, and it sounds like he's going to keep, keep uh, Patrick Ewing on staff, which is fun because Ewing does, he develops big guys pretty well, in my opinion. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how that plays out think that was kind of just more of a bit that took off than something that's actually oh, going really? to happen. I don't think Ewing's taking an assistant job at George. That doesn't seem like something Patrick Ewing's going to do. I think that was okay. just a dumb bit that took off and All right. Internet, way more attention me. than it garnered. <laughs> you get me again. Um, okay. And so then if we move on the other angle of that, Providence College now has to replace Ed Cooley. It's sounding like the front runner is Kim English of George Mason which Kim English is a fiery guy. Providence College is a fiery fan base. Um, it seems like a match made in heaven to me. Uh, George, George Mason, Mason Oduro's gone after this year. Cooper's gone. Gaines is gone. I think that they're like, if, if you're Kim English, you're not going to be better next year than you are this year. So this is a good off-branching portion of your career. And Providence might be a good fit. Um, I thought Kim English would have gotten offered the Missouri job, but he wasn't. Uh, Dennis Gates got it, and that was a great hire. Uh, Kim English does deserve a step up, though. He has been very good at George Mason in, in his couple of years. Uh, what do you think of that fit? I think from like an energy perspective, he will kill it like opening press conference. He will match the energy of the crazy Providence fan base. Uh, I think from the energy perspective, it is a home run. It is, if not more than a home run, a grand slam, if you will. But from, like, X and O's perspective, like, we're taking a guy who is in his two years finished, what, like, fifth and, like, eighth, tenth in the A-10. Yeah. We don't know how good he is from an X and O's perspective. And, like, you get a guy like Joshua Duro in the program. And he's one of the best players in the A-10. You have some of these, like, legit guards. He's able to get guys in. I don't know if he's a great X and O's coach. I know he is great energy. We'll do really well for like media relations, stuff like that. He will keep that part of the program alive, which I think it's very important. It's very important to keep the brand that Cooley built alive. And if not build on that, I don't know if he's the basketball mind that Cooley is. Yeah, that's a fair argument. Um, but yeah, with, with the transfer portal, how it is right now, uh, he will make a killing in the transfer portal. He already got uh, Devontae Gaines from, uh, from what, Tennessee? his first year, uh, he'll kill it at Providence College. So I, I think he gets the job. Shrewsbury, I don't think, would accept it. 
he's going to take a new job, it's, it's going to be Notre Dame, not, yeah. um, not Providence. But uh, the other coaching news, Texas Tech is circling in on McCasland from North Texas, which McCasland's a good, good coach. Um, I like his style a lot. It fits what Texas Tech is kind of built on, like the defensive mentality. But I will say McCasland, Tyler Perry and Javion, Javion Hamlet, it's not like he's been void of talent. Um, and he has, what, just a couple or one? NCAA tournament uh, appearance too. I think it's just the one, and they won the game against Purdue that year. Yeah, um, he has had a lot of talent over there at, at North Texas, and I wish they had a chance to yeah. be an at-large team this year. I think I think this team was good enough to do it, but regardless, in the um, NIT, so yeah, they're good. Regardless, I think that's a pretty good fit. McCaslin was the guy I wanted at Butler when it became evident that Coach Jordan was gone. I wanted McCaslin. He was my number one. I think he fits a lot of what Butler wants to build themselves off of. Uh, and I think you mentioned how he had like guys like Javion Hamlet and Tyler Perry. He developed those guys, though. They weren't those guys when they got there. Like Tyler Perry was on that team that had Javion Hamlet won a tournament game. He just didn't play. He was a six-man at that same team. And then just in that season, and then it's just like, no, this kid's a star. You have to play him more. And he was okay coming off the bench. He built a culture on defense and just developing, just finding these guys and just making them into something. And he did that. Yeah. I think McCaslin would be a home run. I think he is an excellent coach. I I think every hire in this cycle has been very solid. Uh, I think the one you could – there's riskier is Georgia Tech. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think McCaslin's a home run. Uh, I, I think he's he would do an excellent job there. He he's an excellent coach, and North Texas is not a program that has ever had any sort of basketball success, ever. McCaslin built that from the ground up. From JUCO, he's a hardworking dude. He built it from the ground up. He built an identity that really fits playing the right way, playing this way, buying into the style, buying into the team, buying into the guys around you. And he's developing guys. He's got a system that works. I think he's going to do excellent at Texas Tech. I think he's a better coach than Mark Adams. Wow. Um, well, I, it's not a hard sell, I suppose, uh, this year. If you would have told me that last year, I would have disagreed. Uh, but this year, yeah, I'm on board. And then New Mexico State will be the last one we get to. They hire James Hooten from uh, Sam Houston State. Uh, yeah, it's a good hire. They need somebody that is going to be predictable and run a good program uh, from like a personal standpoint and like a following the rules standpoint. Yep. And Hooten's going to do that. He's Sam Houston everything I have heard about how he runs a program has been glowing. So yeah, good hire. Uh, yeah, yeah, good hire. No, not much to say there. Uh, there's one we cannot not talk about and I'm, I'm sorry. I have to do it. Rick Pitino. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. You want to go there? Okay. Yes. Home, <laughs> as good as it gets. Come on. I mean, some of the tweets he sent out golden, but also there are rumors flying out there that he could flip Ian Jackson. Who's the number two player in the class, depending on where you look committed to UNC. Boogie Flan, another five-star. He's, he's, like, rumored to be in on, like, three five-star 2024 kids. Uh, if he can get some of those guys, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. St. John's is St. John's is going to be a problem. They're, that is a top 25 team next year. They're already going to be in my way too early top 25, probably top 20. If we do one of those, you cannot bet against – you do not and you cannot bet against Rick Pitino. That is, a, that is as good as it gets. It brings the level of everything up in the Big East. You can't not talk about Rick. Come on. It's slick, Rick. <laughs> It's Rick Patino. Come on. He's, He's a back, gem. baby. He's back. Seeing uh, Lou Carnesecca talk about how confident he is in Rick Patino, I was just like, let's fucking go. I Bring on next year. Screw the tournament. Let's just uh, skip ahead nine months in the calendar year and just, I want to watch Rick. I want to watch Rick win. And what he said about MSG, too, is like, we can't play conference games. We are building something, and people are showing up to MSG. It's not if. It's not when we know it is happening. It is happening now. It's like, damn it. He, he He's killed it. He has done everything right in this process. Like he's get, He doesn't have to say where Ed Cooley went out like to the media and tried to like be really open, but at the same time be reserved and like hide what he's doing, but not shy away from it. But Tino didn't shy away from it, but he also didn't claim it. He didn't like gravitate attention. People just talked about him. He got it naturally. He did everything right. And then he, his press conference couldn't have gone any better. Soriano named captain. He, perfect. He mm-hmm. perfect job. He did. He's done it again. He, he's he's done it again. Slick Rick's back. Son of a bitch. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, Iona hires Tobin Anderson as Patino's replacement, which yeah, it's another one of these hires where uh, a team does really great in the NCAA tournament, it gets an upset, and then uh, immediately gets hired. We'll see how it works out. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be a good fit. I think he's a very good coach, and I feel like it kind of opens up the pipeline in a sense of like D2 to D1 guys. Like he was at St. Thomas Aquinas, however the hell you pronounce it. Did very good there. FDU one year. Uh, they weren't a great team this year, but they were better than the last year. And then perfect game plan against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And there you go. He, he's a very good coach. Tobin Andrew, I think he's going to do very well at Iona. i a little surprised they didn't hire in-house, but I think that means Slick Rick's taking everybody to St. John's. Yeah, I think Anderson's yeah. going to do a very good job there. I hope more D- – there are some, like, decent D2 programs, decent D2 guys that should get some of these D1 jobs. I think it opens up that pipeline, which I think is a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, shoot, you see what um, – oh, St. Thomas's coach's name. Uh, insert here. Don't know it. But uh, you see what he's done from the yeah. D3 to D1 jump and fits right in. He's a really, really good Summit League coach. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot of great coaches around the country, not just at the Division One level. But, um, yeah, so we'll see how that works out. Michael, anything else you want to say before we head out here? I don't like that we agreed on every game. I'm not, I don't like it. I'm not, I'm not, I kind of, I didn't expect that. So I want to ask oh. you just real quick, who's your final four? You know, fuck it. I'll take San Diego State. Okay. Um, I'll take San Diego State to not only beat Bama, but also beat Creighton. Uh, go to the final four. My final four will be San Diego State, Gonzaga, Houston, and FAU. Oh, I like that FAU pick. Yeah, I'm going Bama, Houston, Gonzaga, Kansas State. Uh, I lose a pool if Kansas Shock. State makes the final four. But at the same time, I also want Kansas State to make the final four because I really like that story, and I love Marquise Noel. So yeah. that, that's uh, – I don't care. I'm rooting for Kansas State. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we will get going here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We have merch now. We have merch on house-enterprise.com. Uh, go check it out there. Um, yeah. Michael, enjoy the Sweet 16, and, and, yeah, we'll talk to everybody later. You're going to Vegas. You enjoy it. Are you kidding me? You're going to have – that's awesome. I'd kill to be in Vegas. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Peace.